So let's roll here. I, I, I failed to write down the movie from which this quote comes. But I heard it years ago and I wrote down the quote. And I know it comes from a movie, I just don't know which one. But uh, two guys were talking and one of them asked the other one, do you know what the difference is between a prayer at church and a prayer at the casino? Do you know the difference? According to the movie, the prayer at the casino is one that you really mean. I'm glad you had that response. Because I want to push it in front of you and say, is that an insightful comment about somebody from a church? Or is that the perception of people who are outside the church when it comes to what prayer is? I'll ask it a different way. When you pray... Do you mean it? So we're looking at the Lord's Prayer together. Or actually, I prefer to call it the model prayer. I think that's a little more consistent with the way Jesus pushed it out to his disciples. Um, y'all know that, right? Can, you, can, you, can we repeat that? All right, so our, our, hold on a second right there. Our Father. What does that mean when we pray that? Okay, so my intent with that question was to push you backward about three weeks to remember what we talked about when we were there. So let's go on. Our Father, who art in heaven. Now, that's Matthew's version. We're in the book of Luke, chapter 2, but I'll accept Matthew's version. You get partial credit, all right? Our Father, who art in heaven. Okay, stop. You know about the little boy who was trying to repeat this, and he learned it, and he said to his mom, Our Father, who art in heaven, herald be your name. What does that mean to him? Okay, so that's my lighthearted attempt as we get into this to push you back into three weeks worth of Bible study to get us started with tonight, all right? When we come to the model prayer, we need to really examine about, uh, we need to examine ourselves and the, the level at which we mean what we pray. For some reason, in churches we have, and I'm not just talking about Baptist churches, and I'm not even just talking about churches in our time, I'm just talking about across church history, we have found it important to repeat the Lord's Prayer verbatim. So in this case, on Wednesday nights, we're looking at the model prayer, which is the central location of the Sermon on the Mount. If you break it all apart, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, right in the middle is the model prayer. And I don't believe that's by accident. I think that it has something to say to us about what it means to be a follower of Christ and how we pray. So here's part of our deal. When we get to this petition, it fits with the one about hallowed be your name. You'll remember a couple of weeks ago the way I said that was uh, let your name be holified. It's a character reflection in our own lives. We reflect back the holiness of God. Sounds like what I preached Sunday a little bit. So... Uh, what gets in our way in this life of following Jesus is our sin nature. Now, I've, this is my own way of saying it. It communicates for me. I don't know if it will communicate for you or not, but let me throw it out there. I believe that the essence of sin, if you boil sin down in all of its different manifestations, if you boil it down at the essence level, sin is about control. It is that point of reference in life that says, 
I will be God. I will make the decisions of my life. I will make the decisions of your life if you let me. Does that sound like your neighbors? No, not your neighbors. Does that sound like the people driving around you as you drive down through town? It is the human condition. Each of us always fights that tendency that says, I'll be God. I'll make the call. I will make the choices of life. Uh, That's Adam and Eve in the garden. God says, you can do all this other stuff, but you can't do this. And Eve and then Adam said, no, I'll make the decision of what I can and can't eat. The essence of sin is control. How does that fit the model prayer? What's the one we're looking at? Let your kingdom come. So what I want to do as quickly as I can, and I've got about 10 minutes here to do this, which means there's no way in the world I'm going to get through all of this. But let's at least get into it a little bit. I want to show you three different ways that that little phrase impacts us in the way we live our lives and especially in the way that we pray. Three different dimensions of this kingdom. Maybe I should ask, why do you think Jesus uses the word kingdom here? Let your kingdom come is a very literal translation of what he says here. Well, I think part of that is he's, he's attacking that sin part of us that we need to attack in our own prayer lives where we acknowledge the fact that I would love to be God. As a matter of fact, I would so love to be God, I don't even have to think about trying to be God for me to assume that position. My natural default is I'll call the shots. And so the point of prayer here is a positioning prayer. It's the one that says, let your kingdom come, which is another way of saying, don't let my kingdom come. So we need to kind of get around this idea of kingdom. There's different pieces of this. In any kingdom, there is this ethos, this uh, perspective, uh, approach to life, this, this, um, this spirit of the culture, if you will. It's this way of doing life that any given culture will, will trumpet and will hold up as the model. And one of the things that is really scary in American society today is that we, of our generation, are seeing the ethos of America being flipped on its head, and it causes some of us to get really nervous about things like retirement and things like our democracy and those kind of things. And so we have, in, in any age, it's not just true to us now, it's true in any place. There's always this struggle that's going on about what is going to be the dominant voice of the day as it relates to how we live our lives. That's part of what I think we have to come to with this. When Jesus says to those people on that hillside, well, in Luke's gospel, this is part of the Sermon on the Plain, but in Matthew's gospel, it's the Sermon on the Mount, And the teaching on prayer that Jesus gives is, let your kingdom come. So let's put ourselves in the first century Jewish head as they heard him say these words. Kingdom, and the kingdom of God is a big thing in the Old Testament, and especially in the book of Matthew. Anybody happen, can you quote Matthew 6.33? Seek ye first the kingdom of God 
What does that mean? Wait, wait a minute. Let's, okay. Good Bible study says don't just trip over words. Stop and think about what they're saying. So what does it mean when Jesus says, seek ye first the kingdom of God? His way of doing things, all right? And I'm going to actually even pull out of that uh, his way of viewing things. So what is the ethical element of the kingdom of God? When Jesus says, let your kingdom come as part of our prayer, and we pray that way, what are we asking God for? Those Jews on that hillside would have heard kingdom come, and they would have immediately jumped to their messianic expectations. Because after all, from the time of Abraham and then to Moses and then through the prophets, uh, they've been looking for this one who is going to come, especially, you know, we find it in the Psalms and Proverbs and through the prophets, this, this promise of this one who's going to come and he's going to right all wrongs. And the Jews were taken off into captivity. And, and they weren't living out what they believed to be the promise of God for them, which was they would be his people, a favored position. And they didn't see that because they were in captivity. And in this particular case, first century, they look across and they see these Roman soldiers that reminded them that they weren't the king of the pile, so to speak. That they were in occupied territory. And the Roman kingdom was the one that was calling the shots. So when Jesus says, pray, let your kingdom come, undoubtedly some of those on that hillside would have thought, okay, he's, pray he's saying that we should pray that God would come in and move us to the position that we ought to be. They had a victimization mentality about them. You think that's all that Jesus meant was that we should just pray that Jesus should come back? But well, I mean, that's, that's in Matthew, right? So part of Matthew's deal is let your kingdom come, let your will be done. And so that's all part of the Matthew thing. But in Luke's here, we're just zeroing in on the kingdom part of it. And you're exactly right. In a kingdom, whose will gets done? The king's, right? So that's part of it, but there's some elements to this I want us to make sure we get. Let me see if I can cut to the chase this way. Matthew's gospel gives us big emphasis on the kingdom of God. Matthew 13, there's a series of parables that Jesus talks about. I've already talked about Matthew 6.33, the uh, Sermon on the Mount. We're going to talk about that some on Sunday. All of those things come together, but the ethical presentation of the kingdom of God that that drives how we function the ethos is tied to those two great commandments okay so I've been your pastor now for six weeks today I finished six weeks and I know that I've said something about the two great commandments almost every service that I've stood in front of you know why because I don't study I just just no that's not true because Jesus said it's the most important one you remember what I'm talking about what's the most important commandment and his response was love the Lord your God with all your heart soul mind strength and your second is love your neighbors yourself if Jesus says that's most important we should be able to go to scripture and find that as a thread through the whole New Testament and Old Testament and we do so the ethical push that we get with this one statement is when we pray, 
your kingdom come, part of what we're saying is, God, help me not to fight against the ethics of your kingdom. God first, and people matter. Now, it's easy to sit here all together and say, absolutely, we should do that. God first, and love your neighbors yourself. People matter, the way I like to say that. And then we should treat them like they matter. It's easy to sit here and talk about that. It's another thing when you're dealing with real people. Because real people are hard to love sometimes. Right? So do we get a pass because they're hard to love? I think that part of what Jesus is doing here is your kingdom come is a way of acknowledging it can't be my kingdom. It can't be my way. If it's up to me, uh, see, I came from, my upbringing was such that it, it's a little offensive to some people. My, my dad was a little edgy about how to deal with people who don't agree with him. I heard him say one time, I, I think he was kidding. He didn't go to jail as far as I know, so I'm pretty sure he didn't ever do it. But I heard him say one time, so-and-so gave me a hard time. He said, I'll just go set their house on fire and I'll shoot them when they come running out. Now, none of us would do that, but some of us like to think about doing that, don't we? You see, that's the place where we have to pray, God, it can't be my kingdom because the thinking of my kingdom is twisted by sin. The thinking of my kingdom is that it go my way, not your way. Your kingdom come. That's the first part. But there's also an economic dimension. I can talk about this in here. A lot easier than I can on Sunday morning because I'm guessing, you know, usually the Wednesday night crowd is kind of the, the heart and soul of the church, and so you don't really mind me talking about money, right? <laughs> I'll take that as a no, you don't mind. So I'm going to go ahead. <laughs> the good news is I have like two minutes left. There's an economic part of the kingdom that we're praying for when we come to this. Here's another thing I heard my dad say. It's not original with him, I know. Um, but it sure seems to capture a lot of people. You know the old saying, get all you can, can all you get. Y'all remember what canning is? Something, right? Get all you can, can all you get, sit on the lid, and poison the rest. That's, that may well be uh, a modern perspective on stuff. I'm going to get all the stuff I can get. I'm going to get mine. And if you're not watching, I'll get yours. And that part of us, that's part of the sin nature. It's about me. It's always about me. It's only about me. And if it, if it has anything to do with you, it's because it has something to do with me. And so when we pray, your kingdom come, there's an economic element to this that is us saying, okay, God, I recognize that if, if, if this is to be your kingdom, hear me carefully now, if this is to be your kingdom, then all of the resources belong to the king. Let me say that again. If this is to be God's kingdom, then all of the resources belong to the king. This is a positioning part of our prayer. It rolls off the tongue easily watching a TV program not too long ago and is a football team is a real life kind of a, a show and it was disturbing on many fronts and and they the coaches would 
use filthy language and just berate kids. And before every time they would go into play, they would say, okay, let's pray. And the coach would say, our Father, and the rest of them would just rattle off. Our king, you know, your kingdom come as part of what they would rattle off this Lord's Prayer. And I heard that every time, and I thought, they don't have any clue what they're asking for. In other words, they didn't mean what they're saying. It was just some religious object. They could shine it up a little bit, feel better about themselves, and move on. This is a positioning prayer. This is radical stuff that Jesus is teaching us to pray. It is stepping into the situation and acknowledging, I'm not God here. And among other things, on the economic front, uh, the resources are all his. Now, those resources involve your money and my money. I have a friend who is an insurance agent, a place I came from, and a dear friend of mine. And he came one day to a meeting, finance committee meeting. He was our chairman of our finance committee. And he came and he said, man, I just had a, he was early. We were meeting together early. And he said, I just had a rough day. I said, yeah, what's up? And he said, I'm dealing with the church in our area, that back over there. And he said, um, they called me because they figured out that uh, somebody in the church was stealing money from them, stole $60,000. Now, for our purposes tonight, I would say that person who stole that money should have prayed, your kingdom come. But they operated under my kingdom come. The resources that we have belong to the king. And so we're stewards of that. And so whatever you have, time, let's take it off of money for a minute, a little easier for us to get, time, abilities, resources like finances and those kind of things, those are all God's. If he's really the king, and he is, then we're just stewards of those things. We're managers of that. There's, there's a parable over in... Uh, Matthew 25 that talks about the parable of the talents. You remember that? So your kingdom come means that, among other things, we're, we're saying, okay, God, uh, this is your stuff, and I'm your stuff, and I am a resource for the king. The last thing I would say, and I'll just have to mention this and move on, but there's a warfare dimension to this too. So I said there's an ethos to it. That's how we view people and how we handle our lives. There's the economic portion of this, and then there's the spiritual warfare part of this also. I came to say this a long time ago. Uh, as a pastor, I started recognizing this truth. In any church, there are kingdoms. That's with a small k and an S on the end. And I found that when kingdoms are threatened, kings go to war. So part of my responsibility as a pastor has always been to help churches and kingdoms within the church um, live in such a way that we're not at war all the time. Ephesians 6 helps us with that because there's a passage over there that says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. My problem is not with you. Your problem is not with me. We may have issues that we need to work through. But those are not our real problems. The, the war that we fight is against spiritual authorities and powers and rulers in the heavenly realms. But you see, if we wake up every day and we don't give place to that reality, then we become unwitting 
partners in the war on one side or the other. I think that part of what Jesus is doing with this, there's a, there's a recognition when we say your kingdom come, we are pointing to that ultimate battle. As it turns out, Christianity has a war department. And it's run by the king of kings, by the prince of peace. And we are his resources. But if we don't acknowledge that on a daily basis, we become part of the war without even thinking about it. And so part of this your kingdom come prayer becomes part of that that says, okay, I recognize that this is bigger than me and it's bigger than my life today. And God, help me to be where I need to be with you so that I'm not part of the enemy's attack plan. So let me close it this way. A critical question that I think each of us should answer every morning before we get out of bed. Say that one more time. A critical question that we should ask ourselves every morning before we get out of bed is this one. Who's going to be king today? Will I be king or will Christ be king? Jesus says, pray. Your kingdom come. Let's pray. And so, Father, we ask that you would make it so. Remind us on a regular basis that our life is about serving you. You are the king. We need reminding of that on a regular basis. So we ask that you would remind us as gently as possible. In those times that we just insist on being King, or maybe it's those times that we just kind of default to that sin nature and we push our own agendas rather than serving yours. So be as gentle as you can, but as forceful as you must be to keep us where we need to be. Let your kingdom come is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for being here. Finance Committee meeting meets now. Choir meets now. God bless you. Have a great evening.